Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. If you have a question, my guest is Jim O'Day. He's the Executive Director of Integrity Restored, helping to restore sexual integrity at a time when sexual addiction is real, pornography use is only on the rise, and is pornography an addiction? I remember debating this some years ago before it was considered a mainstream that pornography is an addiction. And maybe you disagree. Maybe you think you can't be addicted to porn since it's not a substance such as alcohol or even gambling even though gambling I mean, does that count as a substance i guess you get money uh but also in relation to things such as drugs so we're going to talk about whether or not porn is an addiction and a little later on how do you stop looking at porn if you are whether you're looking a little looking a lot we will give you the answers check out jim o'day and his great work integrityrestored.com and if you're wanting to ask a question i know it's a touchy topic we're happy to take your call anonymously or you can ask a question now on social media just follow me at timmery t-i-m-m-e-r-i-e to ask your question here on trend Jim O'Day, welcome back to Trending. My friend, it's so good to be here. I've missed talking to you. I know, it's been a while. There's so much I want to talk today about with regard to pornography. I want to talk a little later about the element of empathy, uh, how important it is for understanding the connection with empathy or lack thereof, and a number of other things in the development of looking at porn. But before we go there, I think there's a little bit of a debate that isn't as common as it used to be about 10 years ago, but I'll often still hear people say, and I think it's more so out of denial now rather than uh, not ignorance per se 10 years ago, people will still say that you can't be addicted to pornography. And so I thought, what better person to talk about that than Jim O'Day? So can you help us understand for those who aren't aware of how pornography is an addiction, can you break it down? Yeah, uh, you know, pornography is a, an addiction. It's it's classified as a um, process addiction. And so what that really means is you're not addicted to a substance outside of your body like drugs and alcohol. Though we'll talk about in a few minutes how uh, in MRI studies, the same areas of the brain that are affected by drugs and alcohol are affected by pornography use. Um, but it's a process addiction. The good news is that the world's most widely used medical diagnostic manual, the International Classification of Diseases, contains now uh, in their latest book, in their latest guide, the ICD-11, contains a new diagnosis called Compulsive Sexual Behavior Disorder. And that covers, it's a very broad category, but it covers everything from pornography addiction, masturbation addiction, to um, true what we think of as sex addiction, acting out with multiple partners and things like that. 
Um, so finally, we have some classification for professionals. The interesting thing, Timory, is, is here in the States, we generally use something called the DSM. Um, they, they still have not agreed to include this classification in the DSM. There's a lot of conversation about it. But here's the thing I'm finding interesting. The real research is not necessarily coming out of psychology academia, but rather out of neuroscience based studies. Fascinating, using yes. MRIs, EEGs, hormonal blood tests, and all those, there's, there's at least 60 that I know of, um, that all of them, except one, provide the data, peer-reviewed data, to support a diagnosis as pornography being an addictive habit. Isn't that fascinating that you're almost jumping over the psychological studies and you're going in and looking at the brain and how the brain is literally changing from porn use and even how it's increasing things such as gray matter. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So it, what, what's really interesting to see is that when we, when we put somebody in an MRI machine, for example, uh, and, and they're an alcoholic or they're, uh, addicted to narcotics, there's going to be certain areas of the brain that light up and certain areas of the brain that don't light up. And when we put another person in to an MRI machine that has an addiction to pornography, we're going to see the same thing. This is really incredible. And we wouldn't have been able to do it 20, 30 years ago because the machines weren't that delicate. Um, but when you're looking at the brain and how it works, those areas of the brain that tend to be the most addictive areas are lighting up. So this leads us, it should lead any thinking person to the conclusion, at least, that internet pornography fits into an addiction framework model and is going to share some of the basic um, challenges and problems as with any substance addiction. And we've got 50 years minimally of really, really good understanding of what substance addictions do to the brain. So now we can start to say, well, we can expect to see the same types of things. The biggest thing I tell people just in simple language, you know me, I'm a pretty simple guy. When you are addicted to pornography, you are constantly shutting off your frontal lobe. You're turning off the thinking part of your brain to fulfill a desire in the reptile part of your brain. I like how you don't even say animal, you say reptile. Let's go as low as we can. Well, I I'm mean, sorry. I'm sorry to laugh for a moment. A moment of humor is sometimes helpful when talking about such an intense topic. But you do, you know, you pointed not just to the fact that it's an animal-like instinct and reaction, but you know, it's it's lowly in not to insult the fact that someone is looking at pornography, but to look at the reality of what's happening. I think is very significant in that example. Well, it's not insulting at all. We all have that reptile part of our brain. In fact, that part of our brain is really important. It makes us breathe and we don't even have to think about it, right? It makes us aroused when we're with our partner and we don't even have to think about it. But what we can do is we can start shutting off 
the frontal, the thinking, the logical part of our brain, and just start to live in that fight, flee, freeze, or fornicate part of our brain. That middle part of the brain that doesn't really think about anything, just kind of responds to things. And, it's and so yeah. it, it's really incredible to see that now, to be able to see that in images uh, of somebody's brain. It's, mm. it's powerful stuff. Mm. And you just mentioned those four Fs that are very, not just animal-based, but something we share even on a lower level um, in a reptile way. Fight, flee, freeze, or fornicate. When you put it that way, it's startling, I think, for people to hear and realize how animal like the use of pornography has become and the shutdown literally of parts of your brain. Now, I've seen a brain scan comparisons uh, uh, comparing someone who has looked at pornography and has an addiction alongside someone who is a heroin addict. Can you talk about some of the similarities there? It is so incredible and, and frightening. And actually, I've heard uh, from neuroscientists that pornography can be a much more difficult addiction to break than even heroin. And when we think of a heroin addict and, and how it consumes the brain, you know, it spreads out from that, that deepest part of our brain, uh, the, 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 the fight, flee, fornicate, freeze part of our brain. It spreads out and takes over everything. Well, pornography usage is doing the same thing. The problem is you are now addicted to your own source of supply. See, we're addicted to the chemicals in our brain that pornography helps us create and distribute. And so um, it's, not, it's no longer something outside your body that you need to get that high. It's what's already in your body. It's what's in your brain, the dopamine, the uh, endorphins, the oxytocin, the delta FOSB, all those brain chemicals are what we actually become addicted to, not the pictures on the screen. That's startling because what you just emphasized is that you are creating your own substance. And that is why another argument for why it can't actually be an addiction when you are looking at pornography compulsively and repetitively. Now, I was looking at some interesting studies and I want to tie in here in a moment having to do with empathy and affirmation and emotional kind of control and the likelihood or not to look at pornography. Uh, before we do, we have a call coming in. Uh, Joe is on the line from New Jersey. Uh, Welcome to Trending, Joe. What's your question or comment today for Jim? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, the the sexual addiction is, is real. Um, I, I have it. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I have a, a therapist that I work with that's an addiction recovery specialist. And um, it's, it's something that happened to me that um, at a very early age uh, that I was exposed to pornography. And um, I never knew it was a problem until... It affected my marriage recently, and um, it's it's disgusting. It creeps up on you, um, and it, it, it's a crave. And the bad thing about it is, like my wife does not believe me, um, and I, I tried telling her from you know from my 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 sexual sexaholic anonymous um, literature and stuff like that that sexaholic is is very it's it's disgusting, and people think of you as a creep, as a pervert, so on and so forth. Which you know that's everybody's. Uh, view of it but i say you know something she and she says she never knew it and i said you know why it's something that you hide 
you isolate and, and it's it's not something that's on your breath like an alcoholic and it's not a needle in your arm or pills on the table like like someone that's into narcotics. So um, it's a very real thing. It's it's deadly too because I've had a number of times, numerous times, where I thought about killing myself because of the yep. damage that I've caused to my wife and to my family. And um, mm. I'm so I'm I'm trying like hell to save my marriage because she doesn't. Amen, brother. Hey, Joe. First of all, thank you for calling in, and and God bless you, brother, for the hard work that you're doing to try and get healthy yourself and to help your family recover. That is huge, and, and I promise you I will be praying for you. And if you need anything from Integrity Restored, reach out. Just go on our website. You can send me a note. Uh, happy to help any way I can. You made some, some really important points, and this is the thing we have, to, we have to remember. Just like with alcoholics and just like with drug addicts, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to start being an addict. Nobody mm-hmm. says that, Joe. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. But it happens over time. And just like an alcoholic or a drug addict, this is a medical condition that can be treated, can be healed. And I promise you, with hard work, your relationship can recover. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. It's so true. And uh, Joe, I'm assuming you're probably or might be a Catholic, given that you're with us here listening to Relevant Radio. Are you Catholic, Joe? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, a practicing Catholic. And, uh, and my wife even said, like, you know, you, you pray to God and everything. How come you still mm-hmm. did this? And I, I said, it was something I couldn't control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I pray the rosary like every day. I, I go to a 12 step program um, and everything. And it's just very frustrating that people don't believe, you know, especially my wife doesn't believe it's a real addiction. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say something, Joe, and I would only do this because I'm on Timory's show and praise God you called in. We have a program called Bloom for Catholic Women. Um, If, if if you send me a note, Jim O at integrityrestored.com, I will give your wife a free membership to that program. That is going to help her understand how this is an addiction just like any chemical addiction you could have. Mm-hmm. The and second thing, the second thing I want to say to you, Joe, is this is not something you can pray away. You've learned that. You've tried that. It's a combination. At Integrity Restored, we talk about three pillars. The science. So counseling and therapy is very important. 12-step groups. An increase in the spiritual life and, and spiritual direction and frequent reception of the sacraments. And then finally, community, relationships, and accountability. And you are doing those things, Joe, so I can promise you that you are on the road to recovery. It's not a straight line. It's not, there's no silver bullet, but you're doing what needs to happen. So God bless you, brother. That's amazing. Amen. Praise God. And Joe, just to have that hope, if you listen to what Jim was just saying, that's so important for anyone else who's struggling with that pornography addiction. Christ's grace is there in abundance, and he wants us to participate. And so you're participating, you're working with a therapist, you're working in a sex addiction anonymous group. That's fantastic. Continue your prayer. And I want to pray with you in just a moment here, but I do want to encourage you. Your name is Joe, and I just keep thinking about St. Joseph and consecration to St. Joseph. 
If you haven't already, Joe, consecrate your life to your namesake, St. Joseph. He will intercede for you. He is the terror of demons. If you walk through, start praying the litany of St. Joseph and all those titles, Joseph most chaste, Joseph most pure, Joseph most just, and ask for the gift for God to give you the strength that St. Joseph had in caring and protecting and guarding and loving Our Lady. And I also will post on social media and I'll ask if Patrick can work on getting you a link to this. Patrick's our producer here. We actually did a full segment, Jim and I, where we talked about betrayal trauma. To help you understand, I'm sure you know a lot, but the perspective your wife is going through and maybe to give this episode to her as well to listen and ponder and understand betrayal trauma as well. And it has links to Bloom for Catholic Women, as Jim mentioned, as that resource. In confession, praise God, we have the sacrament of reconciliation, which I know is a fundamental pillar of the spiritual side of Integrity Restored's program for overcoming pornography addiction. Joe, if you will, I'd love to pray Hail Mary for you and with you and for anyone else right now who's struggling with betrayal trauma or a pornography addiction. Will you pray with me? Yes, I will. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, I entrust Joe to you and this addiction, this struggle he has as he desires to transform his marriage and his addiction and be fully united to you. We offer a prayer especially for his wife as well. If you'll say the second half of the Hail Mary, I'll begin. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Hope. Pray for us. Pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stay on the, low jo- on the line, Joe. We're going to get you some resources now in just a moment. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Jim O'Day is the Executive Director of Integrity Restored, helping heal people from sexual addiction and overcome looking at pornography, even the addiction of pornography. We just broke down how pornography is an addiction as significant as heroin. We talked about some of the neuroscience. We're going to come back in just a moment discussing how to stop looking at pornography. If you have a question, you're really wrestling with this, we're happy to take your questions. This is our weekly gentleman's hour. Numbers 1-888-914-9149. How do you stop looking at pornography? We're also going to talk a little later on about working on being physically and spiritually agile, robust, nimble, and able. What does that mean, both physically and spiritually? So stay with us. If you have a question, Jim O'Day's here talking about pornography. 1-888-914-9149. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. So our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending, and we're talking about pornography. Jim O'Day is the Executive Director of Integrity Restored, and he's here to help, gentlemen. It's not easy. You can't just go cold turkey and expect it to go away. It's really a challenge, and there aren't enough resources. And I love that we have IntegrityRestored.com. It's a Catholic resource taking a scientific and faith-based approach to healing. You need all elements. They have a very successful protocol for how to overcome a pornography addiction. Jim, we have a call right now. Faustino's calling from California. Faustino, welcome to Trending. What's your question today for Jim O'Day? 
thank you, Tim Murray and Jim. So, uh, Jim, can you um, will you please give me a summary of um, what a man or a woman should do if, if they do have uh, an uh, an attachment to, to pornography? Um, and then, Tim Murray, I have a question for you also. Sure. We'll go ahead. We're going to walk through how to stop looking at pornography. We'll go ahead and walk through that process. Um, Tying in the topic of masturbation as well, and then we're happy to take any other questions. Go ahead, Jim. So, so the first thing I'm going to say, Faustino, is you cannot do this by yourself. And, and the reason that this addiction habit is so prevalent is because we keep it in the dark. So the first step you have to do is admit to yourself, I have a problem. I'm struggling with this. And then talk to somebody about it. And that if, if that somebody is your, your local priest, um, a brother, a, a, a close friend and confidant, that's the first step. we got to take this out of the darkness and bring it into the light. The next thing we have to do is just very practical. We have to protect ourselves with the technology that we use to view the pornography. So you're going to need to get some kind of filter. Uh, we recommend Covenant Eyes. If you use Covenant Eyes and, and type in our promotion code Integrity30, you get a free 30-day trial to test it out. And you need to put that on all your devices. The next step will be, depending on, on how strong your uh, desire is, how strong the addiction is, the next step will be either spiritual direction, or a combination of spiritual direction and therapy. Because we have to get to the root of what caused this addiction. Uh, Dr. Pete Kleponis, uh, one of our founders here at Integrity Restored, has spent over 20 years helping men, women, and couples recover from the damage of pornography addiction. And he always says, pornography is the symptom of another problem. So until we can address that, and usually that takes counseling and, and therapy and spiritual direction, um, you're always going to struggle with this problem. So I hope that makes sense, those first three steps. Excellent. What else, as you're talking about overcoming that pornography addiction, can we talk a little bit about the role of confession and the Eucharist as well? Because I know that's part of those three steps in the spiritual component. Right. So for Integrity Restored, we look at the problem of, of pornography addiction in a very Catholic way. And I say that because we recognize that God made us body, mind, and spirit. And so you have to get healthy in all three areas, body, mind, and spirit, in order to recover from this or any addiction, in fact. And so when, when you have the, the richness of the Catholic Church, we have these incredible sacraments. The sacrament of reconciliation is amazing. God truly does. Jesus waits for us in that confessional, in that person of the priest, to forgive us and show us his mercy and love. When you're in the midst of this addiction, it can be very easy to feel very, very far from God. And many addicts believe, we talk about five faulty core beliefs of addicts all the time, um, but the saddest one is that no one can help me, not even God. 
and we have the sacrament of reconciliation where you can truly feel in that very moment that God is there with you. He's there with you when you're struggling with porn. You just don't want to realize it. But the sacrament of reconciliation is very important to, to get that mercy and that forgiveness and then to promise with God's help to sin no more. It doesn't mean we're going to be successful every time, but we do make that promise. The sacrament of the Eucharist is actually the, um, I would say the, the, the food that can nourish us in this battle, right? Uh, when you're, when you're an athlete or a soldier, you realize that the two things are really more important than anything else is good sleep and nourishment. And it's the same thing in our recovery journey. But we also have the spiritual nourishment of the Eucharist. And Jesus does really come to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity in that Eucharist to help heal us. Now, could he snap his fingers and make it go away immediately? Of course. And there have been miracles where that has happened. But most of the time, he asks for our cooperation. Mm. And that means you're going to have to do the other hard work too, Faustina. Mm. And that ties into that Catholic understanding of suffering. God doesn't want us to experience any sort of addiction, but he can bring incredible holiness and transformation and transcendence out of that, a greater dedication to the sacraments, a conformity with Christ. And so allow that to be transformative and pray, right? Like pray for that transformation as you work on all elements in the human dimension with therapy and in our efforts in our Catholic faith. I really appreciate your perspective at Integrity Restore Gym and healing a pornography addiction because it is, it's healing. And a wound doesn't heal overnight. You know, you can put a little Band-Aid on it and even the sticky part of the Band-Aid can pull part of the wound off and make it worse. You could pick at it. There are a lot of things we can do to make a wound worse. And well, I was just I was just going to say, or you can be a scab picker like me, and it takes forever. So, <laughs> right, and sometimes it does take a while because we're not patient, right? Uh, and I think that that's part of this whole transformation that all of us are going through. Just sometimes this cross, especially pornography today, is so significant. Your work at Integrity Restored is so helpful. Integrity Restored dot com. Can you speak a little bit about the coaching program you have available for people who are working through a pornography addiction? Yeah, so we have uh, something called the Integrity Circle Coaching Program. It's an online uh, program. You do it at your own speed. It's 26 sessions, and it covers everything from the psychological, the neurological, the relational, betrayal trauma, the spiritual impacts of pornography addiction, and it's a really simple format. It's 15 minutes of teaching Timory on one of those topics, it's 15 minutes of a Q&A, and then it, it's a quick uh, three to five question assessment at the end. And we've had individuals use it very successfully to kickstart their recovery. The most important thing, and, and we didn't really think of this when we were building it, um, is couples doing this program together as a date night. So um, I... That's it was on your show, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was on your show, actually. Uh, maybe a year ago, I came up with the idea. And we talked about it when we were first launching the program, um, where a husband 
is responsible for dinner that night, you know, so buy um, a Subway sandwich for each of you and, <laughs> and bring your wife some flowers. And you sit down for a half an hour and you watch the content for that 26-week session, whatever week you're on. And then you talk about it for 30 minutes. And then you put it away till the next week. And that has been an incredible, we did an hour long uh, podcast with a couple uh, who did that. And they had been through counseling and therapy until they were able to start and sit down and talk to each other with the same language about it, the same understanding. They didn't have success. And um, obviously they did a lot of hard work, but this program just helped them be able to communicate about something that, uh, as Joe said, he didn't choose to be this. It happened slowly over time. He doesn't even understand it. And his wife, dealing with her betrayal trauma, certainly mm -hmm. doesn't understand it. Yes. So this program gives them common language and understanding that you can have weekly conversations and, and, and really see the healing. Right. And isn't that something ahead, people so deeply desire within marriage, Jim, uh, that desire for conversation that can kind of run dry after a certain amount of time within marriage. And even if it's difficult conversation, creating that dialogue is so important. I love that you do say, hey, make this your date night. You're struggling with your addiction. Well, let's address it and make it a, a communal experience with your spouse. And so you recommend the coaching program at Integrity Restored. We're posting a link to integrityrestored.com for those resources. And again, Jim, you mentioned Bloom for Catholic women uh, to heal from spousal trauma, betrayal trauma, where your spouse has been looking at pornography or has had a porn addiction or sexual addiction, bloomforcatholicwomen.com is that resource. We're posting it on social media as well as in the episode notes. More questions coming in. Let's take Debbie from Utah. It is Gentleman's Hour, but Debbie, I know that women are struggling with looking at pornography as well, which is why this question is so important for Jim today. What's your question for Jim? Hi. Debbie, are you there? Oh, we can hear you. Go yes. ahead and ask your question. Yes. My question is, at what age do you, if you suspect a 12-year-old girl having problems and have tried to talk to her about it, and her sisters have caught her bypassing security things on our tablets or computer and looking at things, and she won't talk about it. She shredges it off like she doesn't know why she does it or she's only done it once. But I've suspected that probably for since she was around eight, mm -hmm. she, I'm her grandmother. She is from a home that, well, she was with her mother in a home that probably had several men living there when she was pretty little. And and how do I, I mean, we're active in church, and I tried to talk to her about that, that it doesn't make her a bad person, that we all make bad choices, and but that it can be an addiction like any other thing, and she knows about addictions because of her parents and heroin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me jump in here. Mm. I know there's a lot going on in that situation. It sounds like there may even be concern with sexual abuse, looking at pornography from as young as potentially the age of eight. She's now 12 years old. And uh, there's so much. So, Jim, I'd like you to jump in first here and then I'll follow up. Yeah, so so first thing I will say is, unfortunately, 
The average age of exposure to hardcore pornography in the United States currently is between 8 and 10 years old, depending on the study you cite. So um, that's, the un that, that's the unfortunate news. And it's not really different for boys or girls. So the likelihood of her being exposed to pornography and being curious is very high. The problem with discussing it is, um, particularly for our young women, for our young ladies, our young girls, it's, it's, it's even more shameful than for boys because they, they are constantly being told that, you know, well, that's a boy thing. And it's not. It's a human thing. If I put a man and a woman in an MRI machine and I show them pornographic pictures, the same areas of their brain are going to light up. It's just how God made us. Mm. Now, for you to have that conversation with her, um, I would recommend that you start talking to her about the science. Certainly don't talk about the morality. With our young people, that doesn't work. Pornography is normalized to them. Mm -hmm. But talk about the science and talk about the levels of addiction with teens and preteens skyrocketing. And, and tell her that there's nothing for her to be ashamed of and that help is available. She doesn't have to stay um, trapped in this constant cycle of looking at it, feeling bad, not wanting to look at it, but looking at it anyway. Um, these are the normal stages that these kids go through. So this is not going to be a one-and-done conversation. You're going to have to keep talking to her about it uh, until she decides to open up. The second thing I would recommend is immediately um, talk to somebody at church, your priest, a deacon, somebody, to see what resources are available for, for a professional that would work with an adolescent um, as far as therapy. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, Catholic Charities in many dioceses has therapists available um, for no cost or very low cost. Um, your granddaughter needs to speak to somebody. She has had mm -hmm. a lot of trauma in her life. And so this could be just nothing more than her way of self-soothing or it could be something deeper and 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 a, and a professional will be able to help get to the bottom of that and jumping in following up there how important that is jim we're going to if you'll stay on the line debbie get your resources to catholic charities and catholictherapists.com if you can't find something through catholic charities sometimes i know catholic therapists are willing to work at a discounted rate to help you if you were not able to get help through catholic charities but often like jim said there are therapy therapists at the fingertips of our Catholic dioceses and Catholic charities to help. That's so important. And remember, you know, with the pornography addiction, there's so much that could be discussed here. But if there is sexual abuse in the past, often, and Jim and I have talked about this before on the show, when a young person experiences sexual abuse, it's so disorienting. They're trying to understand and figure out what happened to them. And sometimes that can lead to curiosity where they're looking at porn. And that's part of this or the role of shame. We actually did a whole segment here yesterday on shame. And I would really encourage you, Debbie, to listen to that because I think this is a really difficult topic when it comes to sexual addiction and sexual disorientation for young people today, especially young girls, to go from this young age of this purity of being delighted in by adults to then being deconstructed 
by others and their sexuality. And if she had damage as a very young girl, all the more difficult and confusing that is for a sense of shame in her own life. And so I really recommend those resources, First Step Catholic Charities, and really talking to her about the science and the brain science that we've discussed a little bit here on Trending. You can learn more about at integritystored.com. That's integritystored.com. And Jim, thank you so much for joining me today on Trending. I know many people have reached out asking for prayers and struggling with pornography addiction and masturbation. Can you speak for just a moment to the challenge and the connection to masturbation and how to work on that element of the pornography addiction as well? Well, there's there's really only one way to do it. Um, It's not easy. You just have to stop, right? When, when you're masturbating and watching porn, you're creating a loop uh, in your brain, uh, a pleasure loop. You're activating the pleasure circuits, and you're dumping uh, an, an incredible amount of feel-good chemicals and bonding chemicals uh, that God created for the marital act. The problem is we're doing it more and more frequently. The brain is starting to shut off a lot of those receptors. So we create a continual problem where we have to do it more and more just to get back to baseline. And so we're either watching more, spending more time watching it and masturbating, or we have to watch increasingly more hardcore things than we ever watched before. And I can't tell you the number of people that I have spoken to that, you know, 10 years in, five years in, 25 years in, say, I, you know, I watch stuff today that used to disgust me. Mm-hmm. It would make me sick. But now it's the only thing that turns me on. Because the brain has shut off so many receptors. There's an interesting um, study, and, and in our uh, Integrity Restored Informed Uh, DVD series and workbook, we talk about it, of unresolved and resolved orgasm. God made us incredible creatures. And when we are with our monogamous spouse, we have a resolved experience. And that is, you go up the, the mountain of excitement, you have a very nice plateau, and then you peak, and a very gentle kind of coming down from that. When we do these things by ourselves, using pornography or, or just fantasy or whatever, it becomes an unresolved experience. We still have that climbing the mountain of excitement. We still have that plateau. We still have that peak. But Timory, we can prove with, with brain scans and, and, and blood tests, hormonal blood tests, the crash afterwards makes mm-hmm. us feel terrible. Mm-hmm. And so we have to do it again and again just to try and feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, the way God created us as sexual beings, and particularly our brain as a sexual organ, is astounding. And we're just starting to crack the surface. Mm-hmm. And isn't that phenomenal that God created us for sexual complementarity? 
not to be alone and island yes. objectifying another human being and that the only way to completed you know sexual fulfillment enjoyment and peace intellectually right and emotionally is through the gift of sexual union within the context of marriage faithfully with your spouse exclusively and i think that's so important uh, that we emphasize and that we make that the ideal and the goal and that we strive to pick up the pieces of damage that have occurred within the marriage within the, the marital bed uh, that truly need to be healed. That's why I love the work you're doing, Jim, at Integrity Restored. You can find Jim's work at integritystored.com, talking about really difficult topics that are needed to help heal and make whole our marriages again, bringing together the sound therapy along with the Catholic perspective. That's integritystored.com. Thank you for joining me today on Trending, Jim. I'll be right back here on Trending, taking some of your questions, along with talking about how important it is to be both physically and spiritually agile, robust, robust, nimble, and able. What does that mean? We'll talk about it here on the show. listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back. Another question came in that I did want to take. Plastino was asking a follow-up question. He was wondering what my perspective was on why a couple who is not fertile, so in other words, has been deemed for some reason uh, not able to have children uh, what's wrong with them having sex unless they're married why can't they have sex if they're not fertile and they're not married that's a great question because i think we talk a lot about sexuality and how fundamental the gift of children are and the responsibility we have to give children a mother and a father and the gift of an intact marriage that children have a right to their biological mother and father and to their biological mother and father uh, being together this isn't just something the catholic church has taught but cultures for centuries have emphasized, especially even we've seen this in the documents up to this day in international law that even the United Nations still upholds this and the international lawyers are still meant to fight for that, that children have a right to their mother and father and their mother and father to be together. It's interesting. So coming back to this from a Catholic perspective, uh, first, unmarried couples shouldn't have sex, whether they can have children or not, because it reduces the partner to an object, to a sexual object, a means simply to one's pleasure. Now you can argue, okay, well, I can both experience pleasure and um, grow in that relationship. We can grow in our relationships, but is that the proper order in which God intended sexual relationships to be? No. The Catholic Church has taught something very fundamental that every sexual act that's entered into needs to be within the context of marriage so that it can be two things. One, so that it can be unitive for the good of the spouses. Now, in order for that to be unitive for the good of the spouses, it needs to be permanent till death do us part. It needs to be faithful that we have that expectation that the other person will be faithful to me and me to him. And that we have that unitive dimension, that we're entering into it freely. You can only enter freely into that sexual act, only enter in with permanence and fidelity within the context of marriage. Otherwise, that person is someone you can have an experience with one day and it's over the next. 
And I think that's really important that we are seeing that side of the intimacy between a husband and wife, and that's where sexual intimacy is meant to be. So the church teaches that every act is meant to be unitive and procreative. That means that it's also open to life. Now, if you're engaging in in sexual intimacy and you know, you know what? I can't have a kid with this person. Maybe one of the spouses is considered infertile, so it doesn't matter. Well, you're actually entering into that act intentionally having that encounter outside of marriage with the intent that I'm doing this because it's seemingly safe because I would not have a child. That's actually not being open to life because you're only engaging it with the mindset that that act is not open to life, which means you're cutting off the fruitfulness of the act itself. And the sexual act is not meant to be in isolation, but it's actually meant to unite the spouses to go out to share and grow the couple into the world. First, most the example would be children. Second, there is great fruit that can come from marital love beyond that as well. And so that's really, I think, the fundamental element of understanding the church's teaching why even if you can't have children, you're still supposed to get married before you engage in sexual intimacy. The other side of it as well is also understanding the damage done to the body when we have multiple partners. The rise in sexually transmitted diseases speak for themselves. Although it's disregarded today, they're on the rise. They're the worst they've ever been. They are mutating. And in some respects, they're also becoming untreatable where we're having to find new drugs to treat the STDs because they're so rampant and common and spread. And I think that's really important that we recognize God has a blueprint for the body. When we take it out of that context, damage is done to the body via sexually transmitted diseases and in other ways as as well, especially for women in particular. So there's so much more that could be said, but I wanted to make sure that we addressed that question because it's very important. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Okay, there's a lot I want to say on this topic, uh, so maybe we'll just touch on it briefly and pick it up another day as well. But I wanted to talk about the importance, especially during our weekly Gentleman's Hour, of this idea of being agile, robust, nimble, and able. I think these are important things to talk about because we live at a time where physical health as well as mental health are at an all-time low. People are really struggling in terms of their mental health and physicality, really struggling to shed the extra weight or even just be in a level of fitness. And I think there's a Catholic take on this that's really important. That Catholic take is understanding the responsibility we have to be good stewards of what we have the material gifts we receive, but also think first and foremost about that first gift we receive that we come into this world with. That is our body. We're body and soul. And sometimes I think we like to overemphasize in the modern day culture, the body. And sometimes even in the Catholic culture, we can overemphasize the soul, but we're both body and soul. And so having that ability to be agile, robust, nimble, and able is fundamental so that we can be at our best, physically contributing, given our state in life, to whatever those responsibilities may be. So what does agile mean? That means to be quick with movement. To be robust means to be vigorous, strong, healthy. Nimble also has this idea of being quick with movement, but also being light, that you're not kind of heavy and bogged down. I know so many people feel heavy and bogged down, whether because of sleeplessness or diet or lack of exercise, which leads me to the other side that I think we need to work on, that we're able 
that we have the ability, that is the power and the skill necessary to do what is presented to us. Maybe it's a random moment where you're called to protect someone. Maybe it's just a matter of being able to get through your day, being able to do a simple healthy exercise. I know a lot of people who just going on a 10 or 15 minute walk is too much. It's interesting. We live on a hill and I can't tell you how many people complain about the fact that we live on a hill and they have to walk up our driveway or up some stairs in order to get into our house. Uh, It's interesting to me. People who seemingly would be totally fine. Now, I don't take that from a perspective of criticism. I take it from the perspective of how all of us, myself included, I'm still working on shedding baby pounds from five months ago, and that will be a process. But why it's important is because I have a responsibility to my family, to my children, to be agile, to be quick with my movements, right? There's a lot of things that happen, especially with little babies, where you need to be quick to respond to be vigorous, strong, and healthy. It makes yourself healthier mentally when you are so, and it makes you physically more capable of being quick and responsive, having the power and skill necessary to care for yourself and others given your state in life. A lot of people are being disqualified from various types of jobs and positions due to the fact that there isn't agility, robustness, that there's a lack of being nibble, nimble or able today. And I think all of this transfers over into the spiritual life as well, where body and soul, not just body and not just soul, the soul is a form of the body. And so in order to enter into this agility, to be robust, nimble, and able, we need to make sure we're incorporating the physical dimension and the spiritual dimension to go hand in hand. They grow together, not one against the other or vice versa. That means we're doing morning prayer and night prayer making sure that we're at least going to confession once a month. If you're able to attend Mass more than on Sundays, that's wonderful because we're supposed to be in awe of the mystery of God. And there's a study that came out in JAMA, which is a journal on a ton of things mental health. And it showed that those who attend daily Mass actually become resilient to depression, mental health crises, and even suicidality. So if you can, maybe start planning one day a week where you start heading to daily mass. These are things that I think are fundamental to our Catholic faith and tradition. And the last one to mention is fasting. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus Christ mentions that some demons are only cast out with prayer and fasting. That brings the union of the body and soul together. That that sacrifice that we make physically and offering up food in a state of prayer can bring about great transformation. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Thank you for being with me this hour, our weekly gentleman's hour. If you know someone struggling with a pornography addiction, be sure to share this episode. You can head to relevantradio.com forward slash trending or the Relevant Radio app to share the link to this episode. It's available in just a few minutes here after the show. Coming up next is a family rosary across America and our very own here at Relevant Radio, Patrick Madrid, will be your host.
This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. Thursday is our weekly marriage hour, and we're going to talk about the challenges of the whole topic of LGBTQ. When you hear people say love is love, how do you respond? Father Bochansky, the head of Courage International, who works with people experiencing same-sex attraction, but who are also striving to live their Catholic faith, will join me. We're going to talk about the universal call to holiness as well. And gentlemen, are you looking for a wife? I'll talk about how to choose a wife with insights from St. John Chrysostom. Join me 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio.